he's definitely unhinged from almost like all of his actions. You know, it's just like he is maybe in a ego state where the world revolves around him, but then he doesn't remember any, any of the world that's around him or the things that he's doing. Hey, thanks for listening to Replayable, a podcast where we talk about current media within a game concept. Beware, there will be spoilers ahead. How was your week? How are, how are things going to work and, and whatnot? It was good. I'm looking forward. It's a big weekend for, well, I don't know if it's a big weekend. It's a weekend for video games. Yes. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise came out today. And oh. It Takes Two has also come out. And I'm definitely getting It Takes Two, but I'm holding off on Monster Hunter still. Okay, okay. Because yeah. I, I played Monster Hunter, the um, I think the one before, but Rise definitely has some different mechanics and stuff like that. Is it for like PlayStation or is it for the it's Switch? For the Switch. Or? It's oh, for the Switch. So that's okay. also another, I guess, barrier to entry is that it is only on the Switch, whereas oh, Worlds had like, yeah, Worlds was on PlayStation or PS4, Xbox, mm-hmm. and PC. So, but no crossplay, which is unfortunate. So, I guess in a way, if you want to play with friends, that could also be a barrier to entry. Yeah, that can kind of suck. I know Apex, the one game that we're playing at work. Uh, well, yeah, playing it with um folks on OB and stuff like that. They have they finally have crossplay with the Switch. So they have like PlayStation Five, PC, and then the Switch. And I think I think that might be it. I could be wrong. But yeah, their their servers are having like a hell of a time, sort of keeping it together, and all these oh like, my goodness. yeah, it's like what the heck? And I, I think the review came out for Apex on the Switch, and it was like a five out of ten, and I'm like, oh, oh no, that's oh. not good. Maybe they should only stick with like each other or like a Switch network or something. But yeah, whatever. that's difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of crossplay, but same, yeah. same, yeah. We're getting into it then. Watching, we've watched uh, Leon the Professional, the history of it. It was released in 1994, and the director is uh, Luc Besson. I, he is also the writer for it. And I guess a little side note for for Luc, it was sort of an, uh, a tweener movie. It was, I think, the production time for it was like pretty short, and it was in between or before Fifth Element. So I think the production time was about six months or so. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so was, I mean, I guess they're shooting live action, so that's fairly quick. But it was before uh, Fifth Element, so um, and he's Luc Besson is like known for you know I think um, doing some very interesting kind of like uh, trend setting movies. I think this one is definitely a cult classic. Um, it also stars uh, Jean Reno, Gary Oldman in his nemesis form, Natalie Portman. This is her first movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, Interesting to see her in it. I remember seeing it a while ago and then seeing seeing her as a youth. Yeah. The interesting quite... part that she hasn't aged a bit. Yeah, I know she her features like... and everything. I'm like, eh, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> she looks exactly the same. So whatever Natalie Portman is drinking or eating, I want that too. So. Yeah, she's not real. She's not real. She's yeah, just like she's a vampire. <laughs> a vampire. A, f- a fae creature. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I guess as a, a side note, is the director of cinematography is uh, I'm gonna hopefully not butcher his last name. 
is uh, Thierry Arbagost. He's, I think, worked alongside with Luc Besson on various sort of movies. And and yeah, he's. I, I enjoyed the cinematography. I think that's why it stuck out to me as well to sort of look that up. Yeah, I guess, Amanda, what uh, what did you observe, you know, while you were kind of watching this? Did you feel that maybe the points the director was trying to kind of convey to the audience? That's an excellent question. So I do really enjoy this movie. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen it before. Uh, I guess one interesting thing, though, is this time we have watched two different versions of it because yes. you watched the professional which is the american cut mm -hmm. and i watched the like the the full unedited version so we should discuss that because i think the things that were cut <laughs> were cut for a reason they didn't test well with the american audience and frankly i don't blame them but yeah. i still love this movie and it's one of those things like loving a problematic thing yeah for sure, for sure. Yeah. But like, like Jean Eno, I love him. Natalie Portman, I love her. <laughs> Gary Oldman, I love him. He can do no wrong. <laughs> His like drug-induced form. He was he was quite the nemesis. Like I remember oh, watching fantastic. it the first time, like a while ago. Yeah, totally. Like the acting, you know, solid through and through. Yeah, it very. It definitely kind of carried you. Did you like some of the action elements in it? I think that's kind of the category that falls under, but what's yeah, your favorite those? I did like the action elements. Like I love just how, well, I mean, it's called Leon the Professional and he is a heckin' professional. So <laughs> um, I love like that first, the first hit that he does. Yeah. It's great. Like how he just kind of like, you know, he almost seems superhuman. He's just always in the right spot at the right time to yeah. do a murder. And just like that scene where, you know, he kind of comes out of the shadows and puts the knife to the guy's neck. So good. And just like the storytelling there was great because he has the guy, he's like, you know, dial this number. And then later on, you find out that Leon can't read. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 And I actually only made that connection this time. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know if he can't read numbers, but. I thought that was just such a neat little thing to occur. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. So the action-wise, I I just find it very clever action, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But now, what did you think, if, uh, if you don't mind me moving on here, mm -hmm. what did you think of Leon himself? Did you have, like, did anything stand out about him to you? Uh, I guess Leon himself, uh, the one thing that did kind of stand out to me is almost how initially he was very much so almost like a cutout in, in regards to he had one note of his character. He was this kind of guy who goes out, you know, does his job, you know, drinks his milk, which was like <laughs> a, a huge kind of theme in regards to to what was going on. I think like the fact that he was so simple, it allows it, you know, I guess as a character, it allowed him to just kind of like do his job on an excellent level. Mm. But I would say like, yeah, he's very much so a one note character in the beginning. And then I think, yeah, we find out that I'm not sure if he has like, obviously he can't learn, but maybe it could, maybe it could parallel into maybe he has some sort of like learning kind of hiccups. But I found that the interactions with Portman 
uh, her character kind of like forced him to reevaluate some things. And I think what I did like about his character is that he recognized that he was kind of like a one note character. And Mm -hmm. after his relationship, it was almost like he came to this fork in the road when he was talking to his, I guess, handler at the restaurant. I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Oh, no, I can't remember his name either. The <laughs> Italian Stinson. guy. Yeah. The Italian guy, yeah, for sure. He's like, I'm the bank, you know, nobody knocks over me, though. Yeah, I'm better than the bank, you know. Yeah, yeah. Banks get knocked over all the time. But not me. <laughs> That's but another yeah. thing. Leon's supposed to be Italian, eh? He's supposed to be Italian? That's what um that's what I heard and I never thought about it because Johnny No is just so French to me. Yeah, he's so French. He's so French. There's no hiding how French he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that I kind of I love the fact that he was French though. I think yeah. it's yeah, you didn't really know his history like I mean, obviously you don't get these skills offhand. I you know, potentially could have been like some sort of, you know, French soldier or whatnot coming back and so actually mm-hmm. that's one thing that's in the full version you do learn oh. his history a bit yes so he's not so much of kind of like a, a mystery no not as much of a mystery um but once again there was a reason that scene was cut so i guess in regards to because i, I yeah that's i guess that's my perspective of leon how did you uh, because you seen the I assume you've seen the other sort of version. Yes. What are your thoughts on Leon as a character? So I think I think this movie works because he's so childlike. Yes. He's very like he, like you said he he seems I don't know if you meant how you meant simple, but he is kind of simple. You know, he he's very like he's he's like that that guy um, who have probably <laughs> lived through this, but he's that guy with the mattress on his floor and like the one lazy boy chair. Yep. And you go to his house and you're like, where am I going to sit? And they're like, oh, right. So um, that's kind of the vibe I get from him. Um, but like, you know, the fact that he drinks milk, um, that scene where he pulls the pig out the, and he's like, oh, there's a pig in my kitchen. And he comes out with the, yeah, pig puppet. It's a uh, with oven mitt. Yes, you know he, there was something um, very like whimsical and like I said, just childlike about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, some of this might have been cut from your version, but even I think the reason why he has to be kind of like that is because of his relationship with Matilda, Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. So where he's an adult who is more childlike, she's a child who acts more adult, but is still a child, 100%. Yes. Just getting that out there, she is a child. Yeah. So, um, and even though, like, there are times when, you know, there's some, like, quick thinking, you know, she's a kid with street smarts. She comes in there and kind of steps in. Mm-hmm. But she's also, like, just a, she's a scamp. She's just a rascal, man. She gets with all sorts of trouble. Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess with Natalie Portman's character, I would assume that you would parallel a lot of her characteristics to her father and kind of like her upbringing, you know, oh, and definitely. The, the role models that she sort of potentially was around. And I guess 
they sort of um, discuss that her mom isn't in the picture anymore. So it's kind of like she's this almost viewed as an exterior member of the household. And, you know, the, the father's into some like dodgy stuff. Which clearly gets the because whole family killed. Yeah, which gets the whole family killed because he's kind of like a scumbag himself. Yeah. And 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 abusive as well. Like he yeah. uh his interaction with Natalie Portman on the stairs where he like slaps him just like, oh okay. But, like um, I, you forget certain things, but then I'm like, oh, okay, this is, you know. Oh yeah, no. Um and I mean that's the thing, is her revenge has nothing to do with her family. It's her little brother. Her like yeah. you know, she's like I don't care about those guys. I don't, you know, mm -hmm. she's not my mom. That's not my real sister. She's just a half sister and a bad half at that, you know? Yeah. And so he, you know, she's just like, the only thing I care about is my little brother. But yeah, actually, so you saying that she seemed kind of like the black sheep in the family. If you noticed with the family photos, hers was just a little cutout that was stuck onto the photo. It showed you know, the mom and the sister and everything. And she's just sort of cut out from another photo and put in there. So you can see how they viewed her just from that little prop. So that was really, yeah, really cool. It's definitely, I guess, a part of using props as storytelling elements. I mm -hmm. think they, they did that quite well. Also, just sort of like the interactions also. So, so I guess now a really important thing to kind of touch, but is Leon and Natalie or Matilda's relationship. What was cut out of the version that you saw were... Do I want to hear this? <laughs> well, <laughs> there are situations. So there's this... So Matilda is very aggressive about her love or her crush on Leon. You know, she says, like, I think I love you. I have a crush on you. And granted, he... He never really reacts. Well, he reacts, but he never he never really shows any sort of similar affection back to her. But mm -hmm. people were still very uncomfortable with this with this relationship. It's not good. So, one of the scenes that was cut was this Russian roulette scene where I'm pretty sure this is one of the cut scenes. She basically threatens to kill herself if Leon does not sort of prove his love or show his love. And she she basically puts a bunch of bullets in to a gun and and he's like, you're like, and it wasn't even really Russian roulette. He's like, you're going to die. I heard the bullet enter the chamber. Like, I know that the next shot that you take is going to kill you. And she was like, well, I don't care because, you know, you clearly don't love me. And um, I'm paraphrasing it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he, he stops her from shooting herself and, like, man, she is just the most dramatic. <laughs> She's so dramatic. But she she seems to always just try to goad him into responding to her affections, which once again, she's a child. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, so basically everything that was cut were things um, where she was doing violence. So there was more to her sort of training montage. Mm -hmm. So people were really uncomfortable with her, you know, learning to kill. Um, mm -hmm. and I believe there's a scene, did he give her a dress in your version? Yes, uh, he did okay. uh, give her a dress. And... Okay, maybe that wasn't it then. Um, there's another scene where she talks to him about how important she thinks a woman's first time is. 
Oof. I know, Oof. I know. As I was watching it, I was like, oh no, why did I pick this movie? I didn't remember. It is very much so like the elephant in the room. Like yeah. I could, so, you know, we were discussing parts of it like a little bit earlier and I just, yeah, watching it, I'm like, oh wow, this is different in a weird way. So you know? I don't want to focus too much on it, but I just want to acknowledge that we acknowledge that their relationship is not, is very questionable. Yes. Um, he never acts on it. I would like to hope that his relationship with her is more father-daughter. Mm -hmm. And one of the scenes that was cut, he talks about how he's not been with anyone since his previous. So basically the reason why he was an assassin or how he kind of came to America was he liked a woman. The dad didn't approve. I think she dies. I don't know if it's at the hands of her father. Anyways, she dies. He ends up killing the dad and comes to North America. And he says, like, he's not been with anyone since. And I think that's the scene, actually, that probably bothers me the most because it's almost a scene where he's sort of giving in to even just discussing. Like, it feels like that's the only moment where the thought is really entertained that, He's like, oh, you wouldn't want me as a lover because I've not been with anyone. And so that scene, I'm like, okay, yeah, cut that, get it out of there. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. So I, I, I don't think um, we need to talk about it too much. But let's acknowledge that it's there and it's bad. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think as well. Like, I know that Luc Besson. I think he was heavily influenced, like, through comic books. Mm. And sort of like um, things of this nature. So there's a part of me that, even though obviously, you know, you're dealing with like living and breathing people and, and it's not so abstracted, you know, where you're almost like filling in some of the blanks to maybe to normalize it. But yeah, I it sort of, it did stick out to me quite a bit in regards to, yeah, their relationship. But it's almost like I wonder if he was trying to transpose it potentially in his mind from like a different medium that in the medium it works. But then as soon as it's almost like, let's say 3D, it changes the elements a lot and you become much more aware of certain certain things at play. I would say the one thing, uh, another element or the one thing that I really enjoyed is that I thought that the action in the movie, it was the first time, I remember when I first watched it mm -hmm. uh, years ago, it was the first time that I feel that it really respected the audience because it wasn't a situation where through some sort of divine intervention or Star Wars bad shooting <laughs> of like protagonists, all of a sudden some sort of element that wasn't almost like conveyed uh, of his ability. And when the action started to take place, I began to notice almost like influences from other movies post this mm -hmm. in regards to the shooting out of the, the wall vent and them going down the wall to sneak away from the bad guys. That reminded me of Matrix. Oh, yeah. The, the that does sort happen of, in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the other element as well, where people were walking into his apartment, but then it was like, oh, the door would close and then the door would open and all these people were, all the officers that were entering to sort of apprehend him were killed. And it was like, how is this happening? It almost leaves an element of fantastical nature to it, 
But then when you see the practicality of why he was doing all those sit-ups and taking such good care of his body, it's almost like that was the other, I guess, the other element that he he himself takes pride in his upkeep uh, physically, almost like an athlete so that, you know, he can get in and out of tight situations. But he's also very intelligent. He's extraordinarily intelligent at his job. So it doesn't come down to so much the brute force of his character. It comes down to the almost attention to detail, the attentiveness to the guises of bait and switch, you know, when he's leaving the apartment too. And as he puts up his hand, because he's mimicking one of the officers down and they take him out, but he uses the disguise as one of the officers and he's literally almost walking out of the building. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, wow, he's, he is definitely his demeanor on one hand is very simple in regards to his social skills, but in his approach to his job, it's almost like the sophistication is unparalleled. You know, he is almost a superhero, but in a way that was very insightful and almost like informative, like, Oh wow. I didn't realize I didn't even think of that. And then all of a sudden you see him, he's hanging upside down. You know, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That scene was, it was just, it's so good. You're right. The action is, it does really respect the audience. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. All right. Well, what about Gary Oldman? Oh, do you, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Um, I, well, I just think he's a great, great villain in this. Um, okay, so one thing about Luc Besson, at least from my experience with him, which is unfortunately just Leon the Professional and Fifth Element, is that there's still an aspect of absurdity, even in like serious scenes. Well, I, I, Fifth Element isn't super serious, but there's always, like even in Leon the Professional, there's always little visual gags or... Like Gary Oldman is a bit of like an absurd character, um, mm -hmm. just like really, I don't know how to describe him, but over the top. He's really, yeah, he's really over the top, you know, and like his his that famous like everyone the thing he yes. yells out. It's so great. That that's how I feel about him, anyways, and I I feel like. Yeah, like he's a villain also in Fifth Element. So obviously, Luc Besson's a big fan. And so am I. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, he played, I mean, in regards when you think of protagonist, antagonist, he played very counter. It's almost like Leon is very simple, human interactions, extraordinarily over the top in regards to how he does his job. Gary Oldman, on the other hand, it's very complex human interactions. And his, his mannerisms are absolutely... He's he's very not careful. Like, I mean, he just he's just doing whatever. Like, I remember when he shoots the dad and, you know, they're kind of talking and then the dad gets up and like shoots back at him as he's like essentially coked out or whatever drug he's taking. Yeah, I wonder what drug that is. Yeah. And it's it's just like a great plays, time on it. Oh, yeah. As he's <laughs> listening to Beethoven. Yeah. It's he's just very. What's that word? Uh, eccentric. He is. You know? Yes, I agree. Oh, sorry. I, well, I was going to say the other thing I found so interesting is because we're so focused on him from Matilda's point of view, and then 
they run in like when they finally encounter each other he has no clue who she is he's like and uh so what did i do to like what all right what did i do like (laughs) which crime did i commit this time yeah yeah it's just like he's he's definitely unhinged from almost like all of his actions you know it's just like he is maybe in a ego state where the world revolves around him but then he doesn't remember any any of the world that's around him or the things that he's doing so but he's very he's hyper suspicious you know in regards to his nature and um i just found it really interesting the fact that he is a dea agent you know right and they play with like this these undercover roles and dealing with like criminals and criminality and whatnot uh, relating to uh drugs and yeah i definitely feel like you get the sense that he's in that world it's almost like that cop that is he's no longer a police officer you know, he's a criminal and he's using the facade of being a DA agent to carry out uh, criminal activity and mm. kind of like he doesn't know the lines. Am I a cop? Am I not a cop? I guess I am, but I get coked up and I do these crazy things and kind of blanketing it with, well, we're just doing our jobs. I think he tells the one one guy as he stays behind. And I kind of had to put that together myself where it's like, oh, he's undercover too. Like all these guys are undercover. Well, they're not undercover. Uh, I think they're just criminals, aren't they? Well, n- well, now are they undercover? I always thought that he. Was they're just- undercover. I think so. I thought that because- they were just cops doing bad things. No, because like remember Matilda goes to the to the police station, and essentially she gets busted, and then they take her into where his office is, where his crew is. And then you have like the sort of like a Jamaican sort of accent guy, and then there's another guy. They're all police officers, right. so it's like. He he wasn't in handcuffs or anything like this. No, well, I didn't think though that he was undercover. I just thought he was because he obviously killed her family. Yeah. And, because the guy was taking a cut, so I thought he was a cop, but also like moving drugs, basically hiding yes. in plain sight. Correct. Correct. Yes. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, and then the whole thing too is like he shot twice. Yeah. And the whole thing, whereas like, you know, Leon, like he's doing anything and everything and he holds a gun twice. And and I think that also is kind of contrast to the protagonist. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Did you know, were there any other, I guess, cutout parts to the movie that you saw that maybe filled in a little bit? Like I know it was, we know that Leon is like a... I guess a soldier or something. And then, you know, they sort of go into their relationship with Matilda, but anything about Gary Oldman or. No, no, not anything no. really. I don't think anything was cut because there weren't really any, cause most of the stuff that was cut was stuff that revolved around Matilda and just mm. a sort of adult portrayal of a young girl. So yeah. Um, yeah. I would say side note, uh, that role did change uh, her career. Oh, definitely. Um, it, catapulted it it did but it is well in regards to the roles that she was taking because she after that she was like oh uh this is sort of how i'm being portrayed now i'm going to essentially be very serious and she had to be very serious in her personal life i saw an interview with her and she was talking about it and uh you know definitely those roles do have an effect on how people perceive you in regards to how they're going to cast you next and she wanted to be cast very seriously post kind of this role and it does kind of carry true. Like, I mean, she doesn't do very many, I guess, comical, correct me if I'm wrong. I can't think of anything 
off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. I guess until recently when they're like all the Marvel movies are coming out and whatnot. And I think she was, she was in Thor, but yeah, she's, she's definitely her mannerisms, you know, even in and outside in sort of in film and outside in reality, they're very serious and um, she's very political and very intelligent minded, you know, I guess in regards to the movie, did you see any elements that were, let's say things that you would see working in a game? Oh, yes. Yeah, like cool things that you you saw that like this would be that would be really interesting if that was in a game. Well, okay, so my favorite part of the movie, and I think the thing which makes it like one of my top movies, is I like this idea of this hitman training this young girl. I think that is just the coolest. So like even though there is the issues with their relationship, I really I don't know. I think that Natalie Portman, like just Matilda, just being like hellbent on getting revenge. I really like that. And so if there was a game. So, okay, well, now I I tried to think of games and other media where you have this mentor, mentee, even just like an older, like professional killer (laughs) who Mm -hmm. has to port a child with them. (laughs) And I started thinking about uh, like Lone Wolf and Cub, you know, he's this old samurai, has this kid around with him, the Mandalorian, you know, once again, another sort of killer bounty hunter with this child. I guess the difference, though, is that these children, those are like real children who are just sort of passive, need to be protected, whereas Matilda... I mean, she is, she did go initially to Leon for protection, but she now wants to also be an active agent in revenge. So I think if there was a game where the other game that I thought of, God of War, and you have Kratos and his son, Atreus, and as the game progresses, Atreus becomes more competent you know, when he sort of starts out, like near the end, he's just like a little murder machine, you know, because he's been traveling mm-hmm. with his dad. And so I was thinking, like, if there was a game like that with like you had a Leon or a Leon-esque character who is a very skilled trainer bringing this less skilled killer with him mm-hmm. and maybe it's a... Maybe like maybe it's a hitman esque game. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's hits and you're both you either tell the the child character like what to do or you're the like or maybe you play as the killer and you just you have this almost <laughs> handicap in a way because you have this child who's going to mess up maybe like a life is strange two situation where you make decisions and depending on like what you tell the child is what they'll sort of pick up from your lessons oh, and that's then interesting. yeah like i thought something like that would be cool like maybe you are actively teaching through what you're doing and what they are seeing you're teaching them and it will come up later like how they react or how they act yeah yeah i mean i can definitely i think that that using uh that vehicle almost like maybe even sometimes when you are playing a game for the first time you do you're like the soldier and then there's like this other soldier and they're like you need to go do this and he's like so cool and you're kind of like figuring out the game and all of a sudden it's like 
for some reason or another, he's gone. And then it's like, it's up to you to oh, you so know, you're kind thinking, of do whatever. Yeah. It's so almost like the AI the maybe is. view of the, like the, I'm going to call them the child, but they don't necessarily mm-hmm. be, but like from the point of view of the child, or the point of view of yeah. the trainee, the mentee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. See, I thought of it from the point of view of the trainer and mm-hmm. you are training them in like real time. So that's cool. Okay. I think, yeah. I mean, in regards to when you were, when you were talking about that, when you're communicating with obviously the person you're trying to get to do the tasks they need to, it does open up maybe like a different game mechanic that discusses like, maybe you have to be very specific. You have to be very literal or it's almost what kind of tact are you going to convey to this person that is going to help them with cues that they need to sort of uphold their end of the bargain of maybe, maybe you guys are both going into it. And if you're like, be sure the gun's loaded, you know, whatever. And then he's like, Oh, you know, the, and he, he's coming around the corner and then all of a sudden it's like the gun is loaded, but he didn't have one in the chamber. So then he has to cock the gun. And then you realize maybe there's like a bullet time event where you have to save this kid and take out the enemy that he surprises, but he doesn't have like the gun fully set to go, or she doesn't have the gun fully set to go. And then you have to save this person. And you have to look, you have to load the gun and make sure that there's one bull in the chamber. So there's no hesitation. And it's almost like through the emphasis of the, the key points of what you're trying to convey to them, potentially become hurdles for that player as their, or, or for that um, sidekick that you have as you're going along, almost like a Batman and Robin-esque kind of thing, you know, like, don't go in alone. I'll be, I'll be right in behind you. And then he realized that, oh, he's getting beat up by like three people, but he's still sort of holding his own. But it's, if you go in together, I could have distracted one or two of them and you could have taken a, three of these guys much easier. So it is very much so parallels back to that sort of training, I guess, element of you bringing somebody along, which can make it very interesting because, you know, obviously you want, you're invested in their success, but it's almost like you can only convey so much information to them that they need to kind of carry forth, which becomes almost like the metagame within itself, you know, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, actually, I like that. And then, you know, there should be a payoff at the end, like something happens to you. And then that's when your trainee becomes student becomes the master sort of yeah. moment. like how cool would that be and maybe depending on how well like maybe you have no agency in that final test perhaps even mm-hmm. and depending like how well you did will determine their success and the outcome that would be so cool yeah and then also as well like maybe i'm not sure exactly how it would work out yeah i have no idea how it would work could, like <laughs> But I mean, that's, that's kind of like, you know, it's, it's totally the fun of it, but like, maybe there's kind of like an element of where they're almost adapting now. Maybe they're taking it further in regards to what you're relaying to them. They're seeing more ways to sort of solve this situation. And that could be very interesting as well, where it's like, whoa, I told them to do one thing. And then maybe the person like distracts them in a different fashion and then doesn't take them down lethally. Yeah. You know, and then it's almost, you're like, whoa, I didn't, oh, you know, you did. Yeah. I don't need to, this gun is more of a hindrance. Maybe he threw the gun at the guy because he knew that. Because he ran out of ammo. That's what you're supposed to do, right? You just throw the gun. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, he hit, <laughs> like, like, I mean, yeah, through like, that, he like, hit the dude and took him out. <laughs> yeah. That was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like a little, little Furby that kills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you, would you yeah. have it? Do you, would you picture the world kind of like linear or like open world or I guess how would you sort of envision? You, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that lately I've been into linear games and maybe that will change. I got a little bit mm-hmm. of open world fatigue. So in my mind, it's a set of missions. I like the idea that there's personal stakes. Why is this mentee so into this training? And also I want a Gary Oldman-esque villain at the end. I want crazy, good, charismatic villain. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, obviously it's like, they say that uh, the stronger the villain, it almost like imbues the protagonist with more capability as well. And I think that that makes it like very interesting because you're like, oh man, this guy's so strong. And all of a sudden it's like you see the protagonist, they're rising to that tide of like getting better to eventually challenge the antagonist. Yeah. No, Gary Oldman. I mean, oh. You know what? Actually, Why don't we just get Gary Oldman to be in this game? Because there's a trend of celebrities... In games. Do you have his number? Can we call Can him? We Can we call we do this? Gary Oldman? Are you going to make this podcast <laughs> in this game that we're playing right now on the fly? We have no budget. We have no title. We have no sort of direction. But you, you're the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we might not be able to pay you at all. In fact, could you pay us to make this Who's game? this? Who's this again? How did yeah. you get my number? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But yeah, totally. I can I I definitely think that when it comes to the media that kind of can give the the most bang for your buck, it being somewhat uh linear would be good. I think for me, and this is no sort of pun intended, the high bar for me is how many times will I replay this? Mm. And I think if you have this game, are there different ways or different, maybe it's an RPG-esque, can you develop different skills through different approaches of you? You have this mentee, it's like, okay, the first time we go through, we're going to play stealth. Second time we go through, we're going to play, you know, front door. The third time we play through, it'll be like, maybe like hacking or some other sort of like, you know, a different ability intermingled with maybe like the other two elements, you know, nothing can ever be an absolute, but it's like, it would be interesting if that was a possibility in regards to some of the mechanics that you could play with as you're going through this game. And it's almost like you're playing your, your game is almost, you're the overseer that has to do stuff, but then has to relay stuff. So that this person, AI knows what to do, but then you're also there to sort of like protect them also, which is almost, you have to keep hands off, which might be a little bit different, but yeah. 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 It's basically parenting the game. But mm-hmm. with murder, it's like baby. <laughs> you know that that game where that baby you have the baby that's just always trying to kill itself. That's what this game is. Our sweet baby. What is this? Oh my god, I can't remember what it's called right now. <laughs> you know we gotta find this. But what it's a game this? where one person plays like the parent and the other person plays the baby, and it's the baby's job to like find things in the world eat some batteries or like stick a fork in the like socket and the uh-huh. parent is supposed to prevent this from happening like locking up the cabinets but you know this baby's real fast so <laughs> um 
it's like a yeah it's it's a competitive game i guess what i'm definitely gonna look this up so like our sweet little baby ai is not trying to get themselves killed but they will if they're poorly trained and uh yeah. i like that idea that maybe this is there's a skill tree we don't see it maybe we don't see the mm-hmm. skill tree maybe this little baby's developing skills and mm-hmm. we don't see them like when matilda goes off on her own and yeah yeah and and messes everything up for everyone but you know also, yeah like i mean i guess um also can we yeah talk about it is to the, definitely uh, oh oh sorry go ahead can we talk about the uh the worst murder that she did which was that plant that plant is not going to survive in that field oh. <laughs> Leon's yes. beloved plant, yes. real love story, is between a man and his plant, and she's like, "I gotta plant him." Yeah, I literally. I know that there's, you know, I know the symbolism. But that plant is dead, so get to know it is. Yeah, gets like you know maybe five degrees, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. They're like what I, New York? Yeah, that plant yeah. is definitely going to die. Yeah. It was funny. As soon as I saw her take it to the pot and plant it, I'm like, it's like, it's dead. We have plants here. That thing's dead. It's like, it's not going to make it at all. I don't understand. You know what? Like, like a plant, like a house plant, shrivel up and die. If you give them tap water, sometimes that plant is going to die. So yeah. Yeah. It's like in memory of nobody. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So, So um, but yeah, so there is a movie that maybe we should check out. Maybe this is we could put this on our list, but it's called uh, Columbiana, and it is actually I think directed by Luc Busson. Again, it's very much within the same kind of realm, but it is. I think there's a lot of fans that are asking, like, "Oh, is there going to be like a part two of Leon the Professional?" And I think he kind of potentially made it with this movie, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, maybe he enjoys the world, but maybe he likes to change up some of the characters. But I know Nikita was a movie that he i think was on maybe not directed but that heavily influenced leon the professional and yeah because isn't he in like there's a character a leon-esque character that mm-hmm. la femme nikita speaks with i actually have to admit, i never saw it but i feel yeah. like that was there's john i knows there and he's got his little his little toque to keep his head yeah. warm <laughs> yeah, and the glasses. Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting. Like he he definitely has an infatuation with this sort of assassin espionage, and it is. I think it is very much so parallel to like you know comic booky upbringing and and whatnot. A different culture in regards to how they viewed comic books and as it being like a media and how it sort of informed his interests and whatnot. You know, I do have a guess um, in regards to if there was a boss fight. Because you oh. like Gary Oldman. Yeah. So Gary Oldman is the boss. And you are on the last level of confronting him. Where where does it take place? What happens? And how do you take this guy out? Oh, man. That's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, if we kind of look. if I'm going to pull some ideas from the film. I like the idea of it being in a tower that you mm-hmm. must get through. Um, mm-hmm. Something feels right about that to me. Yeah, I guess, who is our villain? If we're not in a, well, okay, well, our villain is Gary Oldman. We know that. Maybe it's just Gary Oldman as Gary Oldman. 
maybe he is the villain. <laughs> and he lives in the tower. Um, <laughs> He's just like, what's going on here? <laughs> Gary Oldman's like, I like this idea less and less. Come on, Gary Oldman, we're getting really meta here. Um, yeah. yeah. So now I guess I kind of suggested earlier that perhaps the final mission is your like your trainee sort of takes the wheel and then that's mm-hmm. you see how you've done. So maybe you are in danger, like your character. So if you are the embodiment of the trainer, maybe you are in a position where you're not able to do anything. But would that be that'd be really boring, wouldn't it? There needs to be some sort of payoff from the training. Mm-hmm. Would it be like, I mean, you touched on another part too, where it's like you would take over your trainee? Yeah, we could do that too. And maybe that's when you learn how you've done. And you're just like, oh my God, they have no skills. Or, oh wow, they have really stealthy. I got lots of stealth skills. But do you want to be teaching someone a whole new character right at the very end? Would the game mechanics be that much different? I don't know. That's a good... These are excellent questions. <laughs> um, no, I think I think you got to keep it as a little AI. And that's when you see how your trainee does. Maybe in this one, maybe you don't give them any instructions. Mm-hmm. They just have the accumulated knowledge from... So you're there too, both of you. You're going to go kill Gary Oldman. <laughs> you, you, you don't give them any, like, you know, there's no, like, you know, load your gun. They have to know that from your previous missions. And this is where they either hinder you or help you. Yeah. Perhaps. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, I really like the idea of almost like a hands off because I think that's the tension. That, that would be ratchet, ratcheted up where it's like, hands off. How am I going to get out of here? I'm kind of within this. But then it would almost be like, let's say for sake of game mechanics. Yeah. Let's say it would be like, as you were going through these missions, you had this little notebook. Oh. And you're taking notes of like things to correct, things to improve, things to watch out for. And maybe it's like through the, you're taking these notes and how detailed you are with these notes. It's almost like however you got captured, but the book was maybe he'd always place it in the same place. Maybe the the AI would go back and and sort of, I got to get him, but like, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And then he comes across this book that you've been keeping notes on him the whole time. And then these are the things that essentially advise him in regards to how he rescues you yeah yes that could be really cool actually because so um while you're speaking i had a little aha moment do you remember Mm -hmm. the game black and white have you heard of it uh the the spy versus spy no um black and white was by lion's head studio so the same folks who did uh spore if you remember spore and so in it there's an island and you play a god and you have an animal like a giant animal that is like your avatar and who acts your your will upon the people and you have to teach this animal avatar to be good or bad hence the black versus white 
and or black and white. And so, for example, you might have, so I think my guy, when I played it, was a monkey or an ape. And, you know, he would just eat people. Like, just one day, he just, like, picks up a person and eats it. And if you don't punish him and teach him not to eat people, he's going to keep eating people. So you, and unfortunately, you do, like, slap him when he's bad, which is probably bad now that I think about it. <laughs> but, then, I mean, it, it, there has to be, like, a, a kinetic yeah. kind of way to, to get the point across for a game. And so it, you it, don't have really direct control. You almost make suggestions. You'll be like, you know, build this, build a house for the people. And then the people, when you build the house, they give you praise, and that's what powers your god powers. So it's almost like this free agent that you just make suggestions to. Now, it's probably, the game's pretty old. It's probably not actually as sophisticated as all that. But I wonder if, yeah, like that's sort of, we wouldn't be like a god character, but, you know, this is a free agent. We can just make suggestions to them to teach them. Could it be like through omniscient, you're almost like picturing the AI thinking in regards to a certain situation that's coming up and you're their inner monologue. Oh, so not like a physical person now. We're like mm -hmm. their brain. Yeah. That could be different and cool. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely like in regards to hands-off-y sort of like advisory approach. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, how do you almost like fit it into that game box where you're still not in the picture but at the same time, it's like this AI is kind of doing whatever it needs to do to kind of like achieve the goals that it needs to. Yeah, I think a, for me, AI, that would be like, I'm not sure how to almost like establish that. It's almost like in my brain, I can kind of, I can see it work and I, get, I can just accept it. But then it's almost like, how do I, how would you? And that's where the, I guess the programmers would come in. and they, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I could draw this, but uh, I'm a game dev. You got to fill in all the blanks. <laughs> yeah. I'm a game dev, but there's a lot of people who are also game devs who don't do anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's really yeah, yeah. I know. I'm sure an AI guy would be like, "You guys are crazy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I want off this project now. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody want to volunteer for our project, Gary Oldman? Yeah. Yeah, Gary Oldman. <laughs> that would be amazing. He is, it's funny, like when I saw him, I, I actually thought um, for odd, I don't know, I, I thought it was Snape. I was like, is this Snape? Because I guess the, the familiarity, even though they're played by two different like uh, characters, I well, thought that he, is, he played that role. He is Sirius Black. Oh, that's where it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Gary um, Oldman can literally play any role that he wants yeah. to. He has such a wide range of roles that he's played. I really like Gary Oldman. Uh, he has played such a wide range of characters. Like, mm -hmm. he can literally be anyone. Like, you name a yeah. role, and you might be like, mm, maybe Leonardo DiCaprio, but the answer is going to be Gary Oldman. He could do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe. I uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on board for that 100%. I, I forgot how, um, yeah, like uh, iconic this, this film was with him in it and how he's acting. I don't think that I've ever seen him, him personally be in a bad role of of a movie maybe the movie was bad but he was good it's kind of like it's almost like he always shines through you know he, he's always there to sort of write the ship yeah that's um, a good point i 
can't think of anything like, off the there... top of my head. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was he was in Sid and Nancy. He played Sid Vicious. Like, what the heck, Gary Oldman? You're so cool. <laughs> and now you're going to yeah. program the AI in our video game, Gary Oldman. You're so multi-talented. You could play yeah. any role, even yeah. AI programmer. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so funny. You're going to have to write my part very specifically. <laughs> like line for line, line for like li- code. <laughs> You have to code my part. Maybe he's a method actor and he'll just show up and he'll be like, I know I I created this triple A video game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So So I like the path that we've taken with this game. It sounds really fun. It sounds like something I would want to play. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You just basically try to set up your little dude for success. That's like really exciting to me. Yeah. I think they sort of have that in, in some RPG games as well, where, you would send out certain trainees out to do a, a mission based on how well maybe you've groomed them. And sometimes they would turn, sometimes they wouldn't. But it w- it's always been a very, I guess, a small note. It's like, right. oh. Yeah, it's usually like know. a side thing. Like, oh, you can yeah. send out this person to go, I don't know, collect some wood. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, they didn't come back. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you. <laughs> That's all right. You'll find a next faceless. one. Yeah, exactly. It kind of makes me think of um, State of Decay or something like this, where it's like you just have like a, a band of people and you're kind of like the main person doing stuff. And then you're like, yeah, you know, hey, Josh and uh, Sarah, go and, uh, you know, I don't know why that was so hard to pick out of my head, but <laughs> go, go collect wood, you know, in this zombie infested world. But I think with that mechanic, what you do is, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, are you switching from like player to player? So it's like you're this one player, you play them for a little while, you build them up, and then you switch over to the other player. I think it depends you build on the game. Up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that could be like the mechanic too, you know, where it's like you've played the player so long and maybe based on like how you read and react to certain situations, the AI would then read and react to certain situations with like the level of accuracy that that you have to achieve the certain things. But, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like that mechanic and I think definitely it does open the yeah. the door for some interesting kind of like story elements because if you're really dependent on them and maybe they do come through, maybe they don't, you know. Maybe they don't. Um, and I feel like you should be attached to your character. Like not yeah. like you, you you are invested in their success. Like maybe you yeah. don't get another guy. Maybe this is your one guy. If he dies, it's game over. Yeah. And you which start is always over. like but now it's a roguelike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's always like I guess the uh the other sort of hinging point in games. It's what is death? Because if it happens too much, you're kind of like, oh, you know, it's absolutely quick turnaround. If it if it doesn't happen at all, unless it is invested, a like, which is like, I guess, so you die, like you are expected to die, and then you stop dying, you get better because you get good, you get yeah. good. Um, yeah. So I guess not rogue like, but rather rogue light, which I learned are different. I oh, just okay. thought maybe people pronounced it differently. I guess the mm-hmm. term rogue like means that you die and you start from scratch, like absolute scratch. If you die, all of your progress is wiped. Mm-hmm. Rogue light means that there is progression still. So maybe it's in stats. It's could be, you know, in items that maybe will appear in the game that didn't appear before unlocks. That is a rogue light, apparently. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone out there might correct me. But so, I mean, <laughs> it could be maybe it's a rogue light. 
Maybe your AI learns, but maybe you also learn and unlock things. I don't know if that makes it interesting or not, though. I'm a big fan of roguelites. Mm -hmm. Roguelikes. I just like dying a lot. (laughs) Um, um, That could be cool. And, and, you know, okay, so now if it's like a roguelike, Mm -hmm. maybe it is a tower. And maybe you're trying to get to the top of the tower to kill Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you just have to learn and grow and get better until you can get to the top. That's true. Sounds like Dark Souls. It does. It <laughs> sounds like a lot of games, actually. I feel like I've described many games. Yeah. So, so funny. But the difference is that you are training a little guy to be good. That's yeah. how we'll be different. That's how we pitch it. Yeah. To Gary Oldman. Exactly. To Gary Oldman. <laughs> he's the producer. He's the game dev. He's the star. He's the backer. He's the financial he's the, backer. Yeah, and... exactly. He's uh, his company's Everything. name is uh, going to be like Old Soft. Old Soft. Gary Soft. <laughs> that is uh, so many different contexts as well, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, Gary no. Old <laughs> Gary Old Socks. That's a shirt. That's a shirt. Definitely. That is a shirt. I would wear the heck out of that. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. In regards to, uh, you know, Leon and Luc Besson's attempt and uh, I guess creating this kind of world of espionage assassin and the complexity of, you know, certain aspects that I guess were brought up for conversational sake in regards to, I guess, yeah, relationships as well, being mindful of the ones you have and maybe the the ones you don't. I still think how Leon is put together with the action and the intelligent approach to action so that it includes the audience is a wonderful thing. And I think how he approached that was really, really well done. And I think that's the reason why, tied with acting, that this movie has stayed around for so long that it's had such a long-lasting appeal, you know, it being released in 1994. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. I think, I think despite, once again, the problematic issues with it, I love all the characters. Like, I love them all. So mm-hmm. they're all so charming in their own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good job, Luc yeah. Besson. Good job. He knocked job, it out then. of the park. <laughs> he did. And so did Gary Oldman. And so did Gary Oldman. <laughs> hero and that the villain. Awesome. The hero and the villain. But the hero. <laughs> I mean, from certain perspectives, from <laughs> criminal policeman perspectives. Yeah. Replayable was created by Darian McRae. Our co-hosts are Jennifer Owen and Amanda Preparzi. Thank you for listening. For ideas on future episodes, please contact us at ideas at replayablepodcast.com. <laughs>